I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, hello. You're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides, a series of self-help books for people like me who hate being told what to do. Just like the books, the podcast is fun, sweary, and full of tips and techniques for giving fewer, better fucks and living your best life. Let's get to it. First of all, I want to thank you for listening. The NFG podcast has been moving up the charts, and I am thrilled that so many of you are getting something out of it. Honestly, my 10-year-old self still can't believe that she gets to tell people what to do, and they actually want to listen. Um, This week, I am going to tackle email. Reducing it, responding to it, optimizing your relationship to it, all around email management coming at you. Also, uh, if I sound a little weird this week, it's because I broke a tooth. I actually broke the rest of a tooth that I broke at the beginning of the pandemic, and I didn't go to the dentist for a year because I was scared of going to the dentist during a pandemic, and now I'm missing a whole hunk of tooth in the back of my mouth. So if I'm a little lispy, that is why. Wish me luck on Saturday when I go to the dentist which, by the way, I'm still terrified to do, but at this point, it can't be helped. Anyway, this week's episode, Let's Deal With Your Fucking Email, is inspired by a question that came into my You Asked For It audio advice column that I do once a month, Um, and I felt that this question needed a full episode. I am somewhat of an email management evangelist, uh, in part because I personally fucking hate it when somebody's response to not doing what I asked them to do or giving me what I need from them is, I just get too much email, I can't keep up. To them I say, buckle up buttercup, because I have some tips to turn this around for both of us. In today's episode, we will cover sending habits, quality over quantity, three steps to get to inbox zero, and how to stay there. Plus, I'm going to talk about the dreaded out-of-office reply and all of the inbox anxiety it generates when you're just trying to go on fucking vacation. Been there, done that. And finally, as always, listen to the end of the show for your NFG tip of the week. This is a fun one to trot out at parties, you know, if we ever get to go to parties again. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, Several years ago, when I was publishing one of my No Fucks Given guides, I was doing publicity and ended up in the offices at a major morning show talking to the book's producer and basically trying to, you know, prove to her that I had something worthwhile to say to her audience. And my publicists had mentioned to her that I was a whiz with cleaning up your inbox and just sort of email management in general. So she sat me down and asked me if I could help her get to inbox zero. And she had like some insane amount of emails. I I can't go back and fact check this. It's in my book. Um, but it was like 70,000 emails or something. I mean, just a truly, truly insane amount. And I was probably only with her for 20 minutes, and I took her through all the steps that I'm going to take you through later in the podcast. And I swear to God, when I was on the subway, I got a message from her 
saying that she was already, you know, 10,000 emails down. And then by the time I got all the way back to Brooklyn, where I was staying at the time, uh, I had another message from her saying that she was like 30,000 emails down. And eventually she emailed me not too long after that to say she had actually gotten her inbox fully under control. So that is an extreme example. Unfortunately, I, I assume that there are many of you out there suffering from such extreme examples. But in any case, if I helped her, I can help you. So I'm going to talk about Inbox Zero a little later. But first, I'm going to start with reining in your sending habits. And this is important because you're probably sending too many unnecessary emails of your own. I know. Oh, snap. Um, and if you put too much out into the world, you're going to get too much back. So we're going to start with you, uh, and then we can move on to all of the other people that have been depositing their emails in your inbox. Now, the person who wrote to me in the You Asked For It uh, advice column specifically said, I have a very limited inbox capacity, so I get the full inbox message once a month. Help. And I want to say, first things first, it is not the size of the inbox. It's how you use it. Okay? Most of us get too much email. There's only so many things we can do to not get so much email. You know, you can actively unsubscribe from things. I'm doing that all the time. Thank you, Democratic National Committee. Um, you can actively ask your dad to take you off of his chain, you know, dirty joke email. Um, but you can't do so much to control the amount you get. Generally speaking, you have to control with how you deal with it. Um, but you can do this one thing to reduce the quantity of email you receive, and that is send less email. You send less, you will receive less. It's basically science. And here is how you do that. Tip number one. That was not Rick James. Okay, this is when you're bored and you want to reach out and cyber touch someone and you think you saw a guy that looked like Rick James on the bus this morning. It probably wasn't Rick James. But nonetheless, you decide to tap out, let's say, three emails to three of your friends about your potential Rick James sighting. And maybe it takes you two minutes to send each of these emails. So now you've spent six minutes sending emails about a guy who was probably not Rick James on your bus this morning and you have basically invited three different responses. So you have started three separate, totally unnecessary email conversations that now you are just going to feel obligated to continue with throughout your day. So maybe you were bored on your bus ride and you sent out these emails, but what you've done is invite more emails um, or texts, you know, this works for all kinds of correspondence, into your life at less opportune moments throughout the day, and those are going to distract you. I mean, if you are a person who has a problem managing your email, then this is probably something that you are doing, and then you are feeling kind of inundated with what I would call the constant cycle of reply throughout the day. So what I would say, and I do this, you know, I take this advice myself. I don't always take it, and then I, I'm sorry that I didn't take it. But other times I can kind of stop myself in the act. And so maybe I've spent slash wasted two minutes typing out one email before I realized that I was about to engage in the constant cycle of reply and it was my own fault. Uh, so I don't send two more. I don't get any of those responses back. And I don't have these emails or, like I said, these texts kind of weighing me down for the rest of the day. So that's tip number one. That was not Rick James. Stop sending unnecessary emails. You're going to get caught in the constant cycle of reply. 
My next tip for reining in your sending habits is to go all-inclusive. And by that I mean if you have a client, a boss, maybe your own assistant, maybe your partner, uh, that you're always emailing, you always have tasks, trading back and forth, things you need them to do and whatnot, if you can, try to keep a draft open and put all three or four things that you need from them in one email every couple of days instead of sending them a separate email every day or multiple times a day. Um, you know, obviously this isn't going to work if there are things that are incredibly urgent and it's not going to work with every relationship in your life. But there are a lot of relationships, especially working ones, where you can send one email that has all of the things that you're asking for instead of 10 emails each with one thing that you're asking for. And this consolidates it for you and it consolidates it for them and it just reduces the overall amount of email that you're sending and receiving back. And, you know, a bonus of this is that say you were to do this once a week, say you had a situation where you could afford to once weekly ask for all the things you need from a particular person. If you're adding to your draft email every day, by Friday, you might realize that some of the questions you had on Monday or Tuesday were stupid and you can eliminate them before you send that email and just overall eliminate the hassle for both parties. And sometimes a thing that you were going to ask on Monday might have already been solved by Friday. So you don't have to send that extraneous email out into the world. So that is my second tip. Go all inclusive. If you can, when you can, just keep a draft open and add to it over the course of a couple of days or over the course of a week instead of sending, you know, firing off an email literally every time you think of something that you have to ask the person on the other end. And with that, I'm just going to shout out to my producer, Lauren, because uh, creating a podcast has been a learning curve for yours truly. So I have been sending her a lot more email than I would ideally like to as I learn things and as I tick off all my boxes. And hopefully down the future, I will be able to take some of my own advice from this episode and reduce the load going out of my inbox and into hers. So bless you, Lauren, for uh, putting up with me. For now, it's going to get better. I promise. I'm going to get my shit together. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Okay, my next tip is a pretty obvious one, but if you want to get fewer emails by sending fewer emails, just pick up the phone. Do it the old-fashioned way. Or, you know, walk down the hallway to the other person's office um, wait until you are in front of them for lunch, ask them the question that needs asking, and get the answer in the moment and save both of you an email going out and an email coming back. It's not always possible, and some of us prefer to express ourselves in writing. I know I do. It helps me stay organized to have a record of the thing that I asked for and when I asked for it so that I know if I'm being reasonable or unreasonable in expecting an answer. 
Also, sometimes, you know, it just helps to keep my life organized if I have something sitting in my inbox and I don't clear it out until it's been done. But that's going to come up a little later in our discussion of getting to inbox zero. For now, a tip that might be useful to you is do it the old-fashioned way. Just pick up the phone. Just ask your question in person. Another bonus of that is that you can get your tone across properly. Some of us have problems with tone in email. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Um, But, you know, if it's a sensitive issue and you want to make sure that you're being heard and that you're coming across exactly as you meant to be coming across, doing it in person cannot hurt. And for the last tip in the email quantity conversation before we get on to quality is sort of a bookend to That Was Not Rick James. And this tip is, who fucking cares? If you're sitting down to write an email and you start to type it out or you even finish typing it out and you ask yourself, who fucking cares? The answer could very well be nobody uh, more than half the time. Not every thought that pops into your head or idea that you have Uh, is really worth committing to writing and putting into somebody else's purview so they have to deal with it. So this is just a matter of taking a little bit of responsibility, stepping back and saying, do I really need to send this? You know, uh, the first tip of this section was really about how when you send an email, you are asking for basically a response. And so if you send out too many emails to your friends about Rick James on the bus, you have set yourself up to receive multiple emails back. This final tip, who fucking cares? You know, maybe people would think it was funny and interesting that you thought you saw Rick James on the bus, but uh, there are other things that you might put into an email that people will just not think are important, useful, funny, or interesting. And if you can be a little bit of a quality control master of your own sending habits, then you are going to reap the benefits on the other end. So that is the final tip in this section, reining in your sending habits, where we deal with quantity. I'm going to move on to quality, but I just want to take a second to remind you that if you want to get any more information about the podcast, the show notes, listen to previous episodes, or any News about my books, my journals, my events, all that kind of stuff, you can go to nofucksgivenguides.com. And if you want to send a question to my You Asked For It audio advice column, you can do that from the website, nofucksgivenguides.com slash podcast. There's a form you can fill out. Or you can email me, podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com. Okay, moving on to another way to improve your email life is to improve the quality of the messages that you're sending out. And this is helpful for a variety of reasons. So my first tip on this front is just the facts, ma'am. I have been on both sides of this equation. My emails are often a thing of emotionally nuanced uh, rhetorical beauty. I love writing stuff down. I like to explain myself thoroughly, sometimes to a fault, often to a fault. I think some of my former colleagues would agree. Um, But I did over time realize that there are certain people you can do that with, you know, who jive with you and who have the same style as you and who don't seem to mind it. But there are a lot of people on the other end of your long-winded emails Uh, who didn't need all of your reasons and they didn't need all of your context. Uh, They are just not the type of people who can deal with that. And then they don't read your emails and they don't respond to them and you have to send more emails to follow up. So a thing you could do 
to help yourself on the front end is what I call just the facts, ma'am, and really make sure that the email that you are sending out has only the information that is needed to complete whatever the task or conversation is at hand. And like I said, full transparency, I don't always do this. I can't always overcome my worst impulses to send a long and context-rich email, but I am starting to realize who I can do that with and who I really shouldn't. And it takes me back to the beginning of the episode where I mentioned, you know, I really hate it when people don't get back to me and claim that, you know, it's because they get too much email and they're just too overwhelmed. I think that's bullshit. I think there are ways to organize your email life. I am giving them all to you in one tidy episode of the No Fucks Given podcast. But on the other hand, I recognize that it takes two to tango and that I have some responsibility in this matter. So when I'm dealing with those sorts of people, I have learned to just, you know, pare it down to the straight facts. Hopefully that will help some of you too. Okay, the second out of my three tips on uh, managing the quality of the email you send in order to help reduce the quantity of the emails you receive is related to just the facts, ma'am. And this tip is ask leading questions, okay? Lead with what you need. Imagine that you are in a White House press briefing and there are 40 journalists and only one or two are going to get a chance to get called on and ask their question. And they have to make sure that that question counts. So they have to plan to front load uh, the minute they start speaking with exactly what they need and what they want reflected back at them. So even if you think that you have pared down your emails to just the facts Think about putting your question or your most urgent need or the most urgent item that you need to communicate in the very first line. If you have to, think of it like a great Instagram caption, okay? Only about, I don't know, six or seven words are, are uh, viewable underneath your photo. And if you want to capture people with your caption, then you have to front load the best part of it. So after you have considered including just the facts, ma'am, uh, consider asking a leading question and leading with what you really need the most. And finally, my third tip on sending a quality email that's going to get the response that you're hoping for is to start the clock. Establish urgency up front. If you guys have been listening to the No Fucks Given podcast, you know how much I love prioritizing by urgency. And there's nothing wrong with helping other people prioritize by urgency, too, by telling them not only what you need, but by when you need it. Um, I am not talking about those red exclamation points that you can attach to your emails in Outlook. Those are the email kiss of death. Use them so sparingly. I mean, we should all have like 10 red exclamation points that we are allowed to use over the course of a lifetime and we should have to stick to it because that shit is annoying. But instead of just saying, you know, when you have a moment, if what you mean is I need to know by the end of the day, then say I need to know by the end of the day. Um, because what you're going to do is put your email or at least be more likely to put your email toward the top of somebody else's uh, priority list so that they will get back to you and you can go on about your business. If you let them, 
leave it to answer sort of any old time they want because you didn't flag it with any kind of urgency, then it's probably not going to get done and you're going to end up sending a follow-up email and that adds to everybody's email inboxes. So my last tip for sending a quality email is to start the clock. Lead with urgency. Give somebody a deadline on the front end uh, and that is going to help all of you get things done more efficiently on the back end. And of course, keep in mind that if you're the person on the other end of this whole situation, you know, if somebody else listened to this podcast and took all these tips and aimed them squarely at you, well, you've just been helped. You've been able to prioritize the emails that you're receiving so you can get back to them in a timely fashion and you don't have to be the one who receives a second or third follow-up email that is crowding up your inbox and giving you that inbox full message because you didn't deal with the first one because you didn't read it because it was too long or because you pushed it down in the priority chain because they didn't tell you exactly when they needed it. You know, all of the tips that I'm giving for you to send better emails work if you are the person who is being bombarded um, and it helps you organize your response and it just, again, it helps clear the decks for everybody. Phew, okay, that was one, two, three. That was eight tips on reining in your sending habits. That is some quality tippage in this episode, guys. Um, And I'm going to keep right on rolling because I told you I'm kind of an email evangelist. I want to talk about inbox anxiety and pathological responsiveness. Um, Many years ago, I worked for a boss who I loved, uh, who actually said one day that he wanted all of us to be pathologically responsive on email, that if we could respond to an email immediately, we should. And at the time, I respected his gangster. You know, at the time, I was like, yeah, we should be responding to emails right away. Don't make people wait. That's just bullshit. You know, what else have you got to do but get through your inbox every day? This is like, this is like Stockholm Syndrome. This is not the way to deal with your email. It is going to burn you out sooner rather than later, probably sooner. And you're going to wind up going back and taking in all of these other tips that I'm giving you that are way better than being pathologically responsive on email. So here we go a little bit on inbox anxiety and the constant cycle of reply. Number one, if you try to be pathologically responsive, then you will never get out of email mode and into anything else mode. You will just be hypervigilant about all of the pinging that's going on in your email inbox and you will never be able to start another task, including um, you know, all of the presumptive work and research and reading and conversations and things that you need to do to respond effectively to whatever you've been asked to do over email. You'll just be sitting there in front of your laptop or your phone like a cornered cat and eventually you're going to email me back and tell me that you're sorry you didn't get to whatever I asked you to do, but you're just so overwhelmed with email, you just can't, you get too much email, and we're going to be right back to square one. So I think that what you should do if this is a problem for you, now some people can just really smoothly manage their email all day. They don't get all freaked out by the little notifications that happen every time there's a new email. But if you are somebody who gets jarred out of concentration by watching the emails come in, or worrying about responding to them right away, I say set aside time. 
make, you know, 9 a.m. to 9.30 your email time or make 5 p.m. to 5.30 your email time or noon to 1 or whatever. Um, Set aside a time, maybe two times during the day, depending on how busy you are and how much your life revolves around email. And by the way, this works for personal emails too. You don't have to be writing back and forth with your friends and family all day either. Um, Set aside some time so that you are not trapped in that constant cycle of reply so that you have on your calendar and known to you uh, a period of time each day or each week where you are focusing on your email and very little else. You know, I talk about focus all the time on this podcast. I talk about scheduling in a reasonable amount of time for you to do the shit that needs doing. So for you, it could be 10 minutes a day. It could be half an hour a day. It could be two hours a day. But whatever it is, if you put a time limit and really schedule that period of time into your life, then you won't get stuck being overwhelmed all day every day with the inbox anxiety. You can just narrow it down to a little bit of time each day or each week. As I said, so avoid the constant cycle of reply by scheduling in time to deal with your email. Another tip to avoid inbox anxiety is if you get nervous every time you see those notifications pop up or hear that little email ding, turn them off. Um, I used to do that all the time when I worked an office job. I would just turn off my email notifications for a couple of hours if I was in the middle of a task that I didn't want to be interrupted during. I removed that distraction by turning off the notifications. I mean, right now I have a a signal chat with my friends on mute because I just I can't deal with seeing messages pop up when I'm trying to record my podcast and nobody is going to die on the table if I don't get back to them until seven o'clock tonight. So turn off the notifications, avoid that inbox anxiety. It's that simple. And the last thing I want to say about all of this uh, self-training that we're doing before I launch into how to get to inbox zero is that you're not just training yourself, retraining yourself on how to deal with email. You are training other people. If you stop being pathologically responsive, they will stop expecting you to be pathologically responsive. And again, I've been there and I've done that. This was something that I worked really hard at changing in my own life after I left that office job where I had that boss who expected this of me. Um, And again, it's, you know, I'm not maligning him. I understand why he thinks that's a good quality, but it wasn't working for me. It wasn't actually making me more productive. It was making me a lot more anxious. It was making me send emails in haste. Uh, It was making me not think things through before I responded to them, and it was trapping me in that constant cycle of reply. And, you know, I understood that people had grown to expect that Sarah Knight was on top of her inbox almost 24-7 every day, and now I think that a lot of the people on the other end of my inbox don't expect that from me. I allow things to go one or two or three days if they're not urgent, and I get back to people when I have the time and space to deal with it. So not only are you training yourself uh, to send better quality and you know better quantity emails, you are training other people, you're setting expectations on the other end of what they're going to get back from you and when. And again, that is helpful for everyone involved. Next up, inbox zero, how to get there, how to stay there once and for all.
This is what I call the purge, and it is what I did for that morning show producer that I mentioned earlier in the episode. Uh, It's a classic example of my GIST theory, G-Y-S-T, get your shit together theory, which if you've been listening to the podcast, you know encompasses three pillars, strategize, focus, and commit. All right? It's your three-pronged plan to getting to inbox zero. Delete, file, reply. Strategize, focus, and commit. The strategy is delete, file, reply. Focus. This is when you set aside the time to do the purge, all right? And if you have 70,000 emails in your inbox, you're not going to be able to do this in one day necessarily, but you can set aside an hour, three hours, whatever. The point is that after you've done the purge once, you will have understood how long this takes And you will be able to purge once a week or once a month as necessary and know how much time it's going to take you to do it. So don't let it scare you that you have so many emails to get started on. Um, You can do them in chunks. You can do them in batches, small manageable chunks. You know I love that. But focus means set aside the time to do it. Plan some time. Put it on your calendar to do this purge. And then the third part of GIST theory is commit. You got to do the thing. I can't help you if you're not willing to do the thing. But the plan is we're going to delete, we're going to file, and we're going to respond. You've set aside some time to do it. You've committed to doing it. Here's how it works. You start with deleting because it's the easiest thing to do. You can get rid of so many emails in your inbox if you just delete the ones that you don't need. And believe me, there are a ton that you do not need. Um, Most email programs will allow you to sort by sender. So if you do that, for example, you can see all of those Weight Watchers at Work emails that you've been getting and for some strange reason you didn't delete right when they came in, but now you can see that there are two or eight or 22 of them in your inbox, maybe half of them are unread, and you can just delete the whole batch all at once. Just highlight and delete them all. Another thing this works for is if you have someone that you communicate with on a regular basis, like for example, your partner, um, whose emails are not really that important or you don't need to keep them and you have no idea why you didn't just delete them when they came in. But if you have sorted by sender, you might see, as I sometimes do, that you have, you know, 25, 50, 100 emails from your husband that you do not need in your inbox and you can delete them all at once. Deleting email is so easy and it is so satisfying and this is why we start our strategy with delete because you can get it done, you can get it done easily, and once you have, you are going to already have made so much progress toward inbox zero that it's going to make you really excited about the next step, which is file. And I'm going to need you to trust me on this. Your email program contains a file feature where you can add a folder within your inbox as a whole, and then you can drag messages into that folder. I know it's there. You're going to need to learn how to use it if you don't already. So the thing is, maybe you've got emails that you haven't been able to delete. They are necessary at least to have a record of something, to have in perpetuity, to be able to refer back to. But they don't require immediate action. The action on your part has already been taken. You just want to save them. So you file them. You create a folder and then you just drag that email over into the folder and then you have it and you can search for it whenever you need to. Your email also has a search function, I promise, but it is not crapping up your inbox. 
you know, for my part, for example, I have a file in my inbox for each of my books. So if I have something about Get Your Shit Together that I'm going to need to reference back to at some point or that I might need to reference some at some point and I don't want to delete it, I drag it to the Get Your Shit Together folder. I have a folder for legal stuff. I have a folder for travel. Uh, I have a folder for um, podcast separate from all of the different folders for my books. Uh, as I said, I'm a little bit manic about this, so I even have subfolders within those folders. But for the beginners out there, all I'm saying is, uh, you know, you start with deleting and then you move on to filing. And filing things away means that you don't have to get rid of them completely if you're just concerned about pressing delete and not having access to that content anymore for the rest of your life. Um, you can just file it and that gets it out of your inbox. Okay, file. And the last step toward inbox zero is reply. Now, I'm going to say up front, this is a little counterintuitive because as I already told you, if you send an email, you are begging a return email. So when you finally reply to something, you might actually be inviting further emails into your inbox as uh, a reply from that person. However, um, much like zero fucks given, which is a popular hashtag and, and phrasing and no fucks given, we are not actually aiming for that. We are aiming for fewer better fucks and we are aiming for fewer better emails. So if this doesn't bring you absolutely down to zero messages in your inbox, it's going to get you pretty fucking close. Um, and now it's time for you to reply to the things that you've been avoiding or the things that you missed or claim that you didn't see because you had 13,000 other emails in your inbox um, and that was contributing to your overall you know, sense of, uh, of anxiety in your email life. You have deleted, you have filed, and now you have a much smaller, more manageable amount of emails left to reply to. My suggestion is to do the easy ones first. Just go in order and get rid of the ones that you can respond to in 10, 30 seconds, one minute. You know, get those off your plate. Normally, I prioritize by urgency, uh, but in this case, an urgent task may actually require a longer, more thoughtful email. So if you are in the throes of inbox anxiety and you're just completely overwhelmed with the sheer volume of emails you have left to reply to, I think in this case, it's okay to do the easy ones first. Theoretically, you have set aside the time. So you are in the midst of a block of time that you set aside to do this. So within that block of time, it doesn't really matter whether you're doing more urgent things before less urgent things. If you can just hack away at the really easy ones, that's going to help you further reduce the overall volume of your inbox, which is the overarching goal here. So I would start with that. And just a little bonus related tip here, if you happen to schedule your purging time at night, uh, it might help you not receive responses back right away while you're in the middle of trying to do your own purge because when you finally get to the step that you're sending out replies, other people will be sleeping and they can't respond to you. Finally, one more tip on your reply time. Like I said, you're going to get more emails out of your inbox if you do the easy ones first. And if you identify a message that's going to take you a significant amount of time to respond to for whatever reason, then take that one message and put it on your must-do list for tomorrow or for whenever it becomes the most urgent thing. 
and set aside a block of time to deal with that and only that. All of this goes back to small manageable chunks. It goes back to focus, uh, setting aside the time you know you're going to need to do the task that needs doing. So right now, we're focused on getting to inbox zero. But part of getting to inbox zero is going to be identifying which messages are going to take you longer, which can't simply be dealt with in a quick you know, one, two, three, out the door, half an hour, you've gotten rid of 20 easy emails, you're going to have to be able to identify the ones that are going to take you 15 minutes or an hour. Um, and just put those individual responses on your must-do list for the day that they must be done. And don't let them hang over your head during the overall purge. And there you have it. That is the three-step method to purging your inbox and getting down to inbox zero or really fucking close. Put your butt in the seat, delete, 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 go the extra mile, file, 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 and don't be that guy. Reply, reply, reply. And the key to staying at inbox zero or really fucking close is time management. You know, I've gone over this in past episodes of the No Fucks Given podcast. And now that you've purged and you know what your email volume looks like, you can set aside the appropriate amount of time daily or weekly to deal with it. If you need a little extra help with that, you can go back and listen to episode seven, which was about uh, not being late and other time management tips. And you can apply all of that to your email life as well. So I really hope that all of these tips about reining in your sending habits and about getting down to inbox zero so that you can, you know, reboot your life with a more healthy approach to email have helped. I want to talk about one more thing, which is that out of office reply and the whole situation surrounding being away from your email and the amount of anxiety that can create in your life. Because again, I have been there and I have done that. Um, and then I'm going to move on to the NFG tip of the week. So first, just a quick recap of everything we've learned so far. We have talked about sending less email so you get less email. That was not Rick James. Um, just pick up the phone. Just have the conversation in person. We've talked about if you send better emails, you're going to get better emails. Uh, set a deadline up front. Lead with the most important question just the facts, ma'am. We've talked about training people on what they can expect from you. So if you set aside a specific time to do your emails and you are not pathologically responsive 24-7, people won't expect you to be pathologically responsive 24-7. It's a two-way street. Train yourself and train other people. We've talked about the purge. Uh, it's a three-pronged approach. It's delete, it's file, it's reply. I hope that I have made it abundantly clear how you can approach all of these tips. Uh, and frankly, I think that it would be great if this information went out into the world. So if you want to share this podcast with other people in your life who have email management issues, be my guest. Now I just want to talk quickly about not fearing your vacation backlog and then move on to the NFG tip of the week. I spent 15 years working in New York City in the publishing industry. My whole life was about words. Pretty much all of my correspondence was with people who love words, okay? So I had an overwhelming amount of email, and I like to think I stayed on top of it because I'm constitutionally incapable of not doing so. But 
it was not easy and it was certainly creating more stress than it needed to for various reasons that I've already talked about. But the significant fact here is that of those 15 years that I was working in a professional career that was very much email-based, it took me 14 years to go on my first vacation where I did not look at or respond to work email. And that is a tragedy. One of the reasons that it took me so long to do that and to not just put up my out-of-office reply and hope that people would respect it and not compulsively try to check my email from the business center or, you know, from my iPhone on a boat and risk having it go overboard was because I just thought that, you know, I had to get everything done the minute it was asked for me. And it's just not the case. And so that first vacation that I took that I just said, fuck it. I am not checking my email. I turned off my notifications for the week so that I couldn't even see the little, you know, blue bubble with all the numbers counting up in my inbox. And I really made a concerted effort not to look. And this is what happened. I got back from my trip. I landed at, you know, LaGuardia or some shit. And I turned on my phone and I saw, let's call it, you know, 600 unread messages that I'd accumulated over the course of a week. Well, when I started flicking through them, at least half of them were moot. You know, they'd already been dealt with by somebody else. They were easily deletable. They were those Weight Watchers at Work emails, you know, stuff like that, that it was just so easy to delete, delete, delete. And again, if you've been away, chances are uh, you're not the only person in the office that can do your job and somebody else has already taken care of some of the easy requests, some of the stuff that they were perfectly able to respond to in your absence. So it was really easy just sitting on the tarmac, taxiing to the gate for me to delete half of the messages that had come in that I didn't need to deal with. And then it was also really easy for me to identify the ones that I could respond to right away, the easy ones, the ones that were going to take 15 seconds or 30 seconds to reply to. And I got to do that before we even deplaned. So I probably got through three quarters of the emails that I had received over the course of an entire week in the amount of time it took to land, turn my cell service back on, um, look through my inbox, and get to the gate. And then what I had left to deal with in the office the next morning was just so much more manageable. And again, there's going to be some things that are going to take time. And you don't try to do those all at once at 8.30 in the morning before you've had your first cup of coffee on your first day back. You realize that those messages are going to belong in the must-do list for later in the week, you know, when you have the time to focus on them and can set aside that time to focus on them. And you just do the next round of easiest ones. And suddenly, you know, you're down to about 15% of the total emails that you received in one week. Um, And you've handled it all before noon on your first day back. So I just wanted to tell that story because I was somebody who for a long time suffered from this phobia of setting my out of office and forgetting it, you know, of actually not checking. And then I did it and it totally worked out fine. And was it a coincidence that this vacation took place the first time I ever visited the tiny fishing village in the Dominican Republic that I subsequently moved my whole life to and now call home? No, I don't think it was a coincidence. That was a really great fucking vacation because I wasn't glued to my email and it didn't hurt me on the way back either. So I know that some of you have much higher profile, higher intensity jobs than I did, but I was working at a very high level in an industry 
industry that relied a lot on communication through words, um, and it worked out okay. And it was just, you know, it was 14 years of having done it a different way because I thought that's how you had to do it and because it's how I'd always done it. And when I finally threw off the shackles of the constant cycle of reply and I set those boundaries and, you know, I gave myself the time that I needed to regroup and recharge and I planned for the time that I was going to need to catch up, it worked out just fine. So if you are having problems with the idea of setting your out of office and with not checking your email when you're on vacation, whether it's for a weekend, whether it's for a week, I hope that all of the tips that I've given you today are going to help manage your email life to the point where you don't even have that much um, that is going to build up and that you're going to have to come back to, but that even if you do, you will have some understanding of how actually easy and efficient it can be to get through the vast majority of that stuff, and it's going to be worth it for the vacation that you allowed yourself to take. All right, this episode was kind of a long one, so the NFG tip of the week is going to be short. This isn't something that I necessarily do because I actually like to express my gratitude to people over email, but if you are a person who has a problem with compulsive replying and if you're somebody who is looking to maximize every minute of the day that you spend on your email life, the NFG tip of the week is to eliminate great thanks from your email vocabulary. If it takes you five seconds to type those words and say you type them in response to 50 emails a day, then your time saved calculation looks like this. Four minutes a day times five days a week, that's 20 minutes a week, and that's 18 hours a year. For most of us, 18 hours is two and a quarter full workdays that you have spent typing, great, thanks, and which you could have used to be doing literally anything else. So if you're a compulsive email responder and you're looking to shave off some time and email from your day, stop typing, great, thanks, and you'll save 18 hours a year. As I said, that's a great NFG tip to trot out at your next cocktail party whenever we're allowed to go to cocktail parties again. Um, and next week I'm going to move on. I've been doing get your shit together stuff for the last few episodes, and I'm going to move into another area of expertise, anxiety management. A lot of tips come from my book, Calm the Fuck Down, and I am a very anxious person who has a lot to say about this subject. So... Uh, thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard and you would leave me a rating or a review, that would be awesome. It would be especially awesome to counteract the one-star reviews from people who think I take too long to get to the point um, or that there are too many ads. What can I say, guys? I do take too long to get to the point and ads pay the bills. So if you like the podcast so far and you want to throw me some stars or a nice review on your platform of choice, that would be awesome. Again, you can visit nofucksgivenguides.com to get all the show notes, links to things that I mention on the podcast, downloads, any information about my books, my journals, to sign up for my No Fucks Given newsletter, all that good stuff. Don't forget to email me your questions for next month's You Asked For It audio advice column. I do that once a month. And until next week, I'm Sarah Knight. No fucks given, not sorry. Sorry.